This Sunday, Pastor David Beatty begins a short two-part series on marriage with a sermon entitled, Why God Created Marriage. If God created marriage, why does it seem so challenging for so many? This message speaks to provide biblical support to help strengthen marriages and to face challenges common to many couples. The scripture readings for the day are Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 25 and Ephesians chapter 5 verses 31 through 33. Well, good morning. It is so good to have all of you here at uh, River Oaks today. Thank you for being with us. And uh, this is an exciting time of year, isn't it? School is about to start back. How many of you dropped off a student for the first time at college in the last week or two here, took freshmen to school? We see some hands waving. It's a tearful time for many, I know. And how many are taking a child to kindergarten uh, this week? That's a tearful time. How many are taking a student back to college for sophomore, junior, senior year and found that's a time of celebration, not a time so much of, there, there you go. After that first year, things change a little bit. Ready for them to go back. Well, we hope this will be a great, great school year. A lot of teachers in our church, others who work at administration and counseling, and we hope this will be a tremendous year for you because our teachers and those who serve in our schools have a very demanding but tremendously important job, and we really, really do appreciate you all so much. If you look at your bulletin you got on the way in today, you'll see it is uh, more full than usual because a lot of things start up at this time of year, so take a moment to look those over. And uh, a couple of those I want to point out in particular. On Friday, September 7th, we are beginning our World Missions uh, Emphasis Weekend with a dinner on Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Many of you know that we're a World Missions Church and we have missionary guests with us throughout the year, but this is a special focus weekend for us. We'd love it if you could be with us that Friday night for dinner. Food's provided, child care's provided. There's no cost for anything, but we do ask that you register in advance for that, please, as soon as possible. And I hope you'll be able to join us for that. Speaking of world missions, um, I want to just say thanks to the Lord for a, a safe return. Pastor Wes and Pastor Sonny and Deb Posen Banchuk just returned from one of the longest uh, missions trips I know of to Mongolia, and then once in Mongolia by train uh, deep into the Gobi Desert to explore an opportunity, very exciting opportunity for our church to further our missions work there. Also, I uh, want to recognize McKinley Wright, who has returned from spending a summer, one of our students who's been in uh, India for the summer, and it's just a joy to see a lot of our students and others going out into different parts of the world to take the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, second item today, when you leave here, you will notice some uh, photo booth type stations around the church, just an iPad, and there's one down the Noah's Ark hallway, a couple out this way in the coffee bar. We would ask you, if you are a member or a regular attendee of, of River Oaks, if you call this your church home, if you'd stop by one of those and get your picture taken. When we transferred to 
the Rocklink online community system, a lot of our pictures didn't transfer over. And we want to know who you are uh, and pray for you. So if you take just a few seconds to do that today, don't worry about how you look. Just as long as you're recognizable, that's all that matters. Get your picture taken today. And then finally, uh, this morning, for those interested in our small group ministry, immediately as this service ends, right out those doors in classroom number two, David Holcomb is going to be hosting a taste of community to, to kind of explore uh, small groups for those who may be interested in being part of a small group of some type this fall, right as this service ends at 1025. Now, this morning, we are going to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. And after we celebrate communion, as is our custom, we'll invite any of those needing special prayer to come down to one of these front rows here, and we'll have elders and prayer leaders to pray with you and for you. Uh, because of that, the message will be a little shorter today, and the ushers will not pass the offering baskets for the offering and the Hey, I'm Here cards. So if you'll just remember when you leave today, they'll be at the door with those, and you can drop your Hey, I'm Here cards into the basket uh, with any prayer requests or things you'd like to know about in our church. Speaking of offering, I will just note that, um, just learned this week, uh, year to date, our giving is a good bit below where it was last year at this time, below our budget needs. And I just point that out to you. I'm told we don't uh, maybe mention giving and finances as much as we should in our church, but I'll just note that year-to-date as compared to last year, it's uh, significantly below. Now, this morning, we're going to begin a couple weeks on the topic of marriage. And any time uh, we, we emphasize marriage in our sermons, I have a special concern in my own mind, my own heart, for those in our church and the many of those in our church who uh, are divorced and who are single. And let me simply say this. If you're, if you're one who's gone through the pain of separation and divorce, I very much hope you will find this church a place where you will receive hope and love and care. And with that in mind, we are beginning a new uh, divorce care season on September 10th. This is a biblical teaching caring environment for people who have, have been through divorce and feel like they need some hope and help and care. And furthermore, if you're here and you're single and you, you're thinking, well, I can tune out. This is about marriage. I hope you won't do that because number one, you might be married someday. And number two, even if you're not, you will surely have opportunity with friends or family to encourage them, to help them because most married couples go through times of difficulty in their marriages. And so I hope if you're single, you'll keep that in mind and now uh, not tune out. Now, if you're married, I want to begin this morning by asking uh, four questions. One question really expressed four different ways. As you think about your marriage and where you are in your marriage, I'm borrowing these questions from pastor and author Tim Keller, who I I believe actually used them to talk about our spiritual lives, not marriage, but I thought they, they applied well to marriage. If you're here today and you're married, and you think about your marriage, ask yourself these questions. Are we sailing 
Are we rowing? Are we drifting? Or are we sinking? We'll come back to these four questions in just a few minutes. But first, I'd like to take a look at what God's Word says to us about marriage. Reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, starting in verse 18. The Bible says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib, <coughs> rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And now the next verse, keep in mind, it is the foundational verse on marriage in all the Bible. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, fast forwarding to the New Testament, book of Ephesians, where we find the longest teaching passage on marriage in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5. At the end of that passage, we find these summary words concluding the verses that precede them. Again, the Apostle Paul quotes Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In the next few minutes, I'd like to look at some of the reasons, and I stress some, not all, of the reasons that I believe God created marriage. This is not an exhaustive list. These are not all the reasons. For example, we will not talk about the bearing and raising of children, but three of the reasons I believe God created marriage and they're reasons that are not typically thought about, but I believe they are given us in the Scripture. And I think they can bring support to us when we face times of trouble or discouragement in our marriages. God created marriage for, first, partnership in serving Him. Partnership in serving God. Now, I want to look back in Genesis for a moment, and this time, starting in Genesis 2.15. These are the verses that precede verse 18. It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. I want to look at those words now in their immediate context, in the context of the verses that precede them, because they give us some insight into understanding what that statement is all about. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God gave Adam meaningful work 
to accomplish. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. God gave Adam his word, his command. So he's given him meaningful work and a command to obey. Work given by God and God's word to fulfill. Then immediately we read, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Taken in its context, we can see that God has in mind partnership for man and woman in doing God's work and obeying God's word. Adam and Eve would be a help to one another. They would be in partnership in doing God's work and in obeying God's word. Now, if you've ever read the book of Genesis, you know that in regard to this command, you shall not eat the fruit of this tree, they failed. Satan brought the temptation, questioning God's truth, bringing temptation to disobey God's clear command, and Adam and Eve together failed. Years later, a baby would be born named Jesus. He would begin his earthly ministry at about the age of 30 years. He would be led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he would fast for 40 days and nights and face temptations by the serpent, Satan, the one who tempted Adam and Eve. But Jesus would not fall to his temptation. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus prevailed. He would later give his life on the cross. Having lived without ever having sinned, he would give his perfect life as a sacrifice, bearing the judgment for our sin, so that through our faith in him, we could be reconciled with our holy God, forgiven our sins, receive his eternal life. Jesus would give all who know him work to do and his words to obey. A great commission, a great calling to fulfill and do his work and a mandate to love one another to fulfill his words. But we would do this not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, likewise, would bring us work to do and his word to fulfill. And I believe he calls those of us who are married here, husbands and wives, to fulfill this work and to fulfill his word in partnership with one another, in partnership together. My wife and I, Beth and I, were down at the beach earlier this month, and um, we were going out to, to dinner one night, and um, before we, we left, I believe we prayed that night, as we, we sometimes do if we're, we're going out somewhere together, Lord, give us somebody to, to minister to, somebody to pray for. 
sometimes that'll be a waiter or waitress. We might say, you know, we're about to pray. Is there anything we can pray for you about? They, we don't do that as often as we should, but I, I think this particular night we prayed that way. Well, we, we went to uh, dinner and didn't pray for anybody. Just prayed for our food. After dinner, we were down at the beach, and this is Merle's Inlet. Any of you familiar with that? We walked out behind the restaurant. There's this beautiful marsh walk back there. And uh, we're standing there looking at the, the marsh, the water. It's beautiful, you know, evening time. And there was another couple there. And um, we got involved in a, a really nice conversation with them, talking about what they, they do and all this sort of thing. And I'm thinking all the time, Beth, my wife looks to me to initiate these conversations, to try to pray for somebody, share the gospel. But frankly, I struggle with timidity a lot in those situations. I'm always thinking, ah, they're going to be offended. They're going to get mad. They're not going to like us. They're going to walk off. And, and I, I, I wasn't doing it. You know, they're, we're about ready to go our separate ways, and I hadn't said one word along those lines. And my, my wife, in a very sweet voice, looked at this couple and said, is there anything we can pray for you about? Now, I had the strong impression they were not familiar with this sort of thing by the way they looked at each other at that, at that point. And the guy kind of took a deep breath and said, well, and they had a significant need. He said, yeah, yeah, you can pray for us about this. Well, I'm sure they thought, we'll go home and say a prayer. But she then said, is it okay if we pray right now? And we're standing out here in public on a little marsh walk, and they kind of said yes. And so uh, she prayed a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And I, I think it had a deep effect on them. And as we walked away, I thought, well, I, I thank the Lord for my wife. Because what I've discovered in marriage uh, despite all of its challenges, sometimes when one is weak, the other is strong. And sometimes our very differences make us complementary so that we are strengthened in our partnership together. And if you can learn to appreciate some of your differences and the way one can lift up the other when one is down, I think you'll find strength in your marriage. But for those who are married, have you ever thought of your marriage as being given by God as a way to serve Him together? If you're single, a good prayer to pray, and if you're a devoted follower of Jesus, is something like this. God, if I can serve you best single, if it's your will, if I can do the most for your kingdom, then so be it. The Bible uh, uh, really elevates singleness in its opportunities for ministry. But it's reasonable to pray, however, Lord, if the two of us together could be stronger in serving you than the two of us apart, may that be. Bring me the spouse you have for me. It's a reasonable way to pray, I think. God created marriage for partnership in serving him. Secondly, God created marriage for growth toward Christ-likeness. God's great goal for every follower of Jesus is given to us in the Bible. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, He has, for everyone who knows Jesus, He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. 
That is, to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, so that throughout our lives we are being molded and shaped by the Spirit of God through the challenges and difficulties we face, through all the circumstances in life, to the likeness of Jesus Christ, God's great goal for us. Now, marriage provides a unique and a wonderful environment for that being conformed into the likeness of Christ because it calls for self-denial, patience, sacrifice, humility, and unconditional love. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, where I mentioned before, we find the longest passage on marriage in the Bible, starting in verse 18, we read these words. And the Apostle Paul begins by talking about the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in your life as a Christian. And then he goes into this teaching on marriage. And he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. The main reason I wanted to read that passage is to stress the fact that marriage is going to be challenging. I think those who are single need to... to to understand this, as they think about marriage, marriage is going to be challenging. Now, let me just comment on one particular word in this passage, because I know there's one word in this long passage that stands out above all others. I know that because I once read this passage in a wedding, and all I did was read it. I wasn't doing the wedding. I was reading a passage, and someone got extremely upset when I got to that S word, the submit word. And all I did was read it, just reading the Bible. It's not our purpose today to go into uh, detail in this passage. I, I read it just to point to the challenges of marriage, but I do want to say one thing about this because of what is so much in our news and in our media this year, um, the Me Too uh, emphasis and others. The word submit here, as it's addressed to wives, let me just simply say what it does not mean. It does not mean to submit to abuse. There's a, there was a well-known Christian leader a couple months ago, leader of a seminary, who um, lost his position because he counseled a woman who was being physically beaten by her husband to go home, 
to submit to him, and as the, the news accounts say, showed up at church Sunday with a black eye, but her, her, her husband came to church, so that, that was celebrated, that she had done the right thing. Any time a verse of Scripture is used to oppress someone else, you can be sure it's being used wrongly. Anytime a, a husband pulls this verse and says, I'm in control, I'm the boss, you see what it says? You have to do what I say. You have to do everything I say. You can be sure a verse is used wrongly when it's used that way. Read this entire passage, and what you will find, and we'll look at the summary of this passage in, in a moment, is to call for a relationship of marriage that in some mysterious way reflects the relationship of Christ and the church. And the reason I read these words, though, is I want to point out the fact that these verses definitely imply that marriage is filled with challenges. But if you can recognize that God's great goal for you, and let me stress this, is not personal happiness. It is not self-fulfillment. It is likeness to Christ. It is likeness to Jesus Christ. And if you can face the challenges in your marriage by realizing that being conformed to the likeness of Jesus calls for sacrifice, unconditional love, uh, denial of self, patience, and the attributes we see in Jesus Christ, I think it can strengthen us. I also think it helps if you can learn to appreciate the differences that you bring to a marriage rather than being frustrated by your differences. And we all have them. Listen, I'm going to stand up here and say, I find marriage sometimes to be very frustrating and difficult. I, I, and I have a great wife who will be in the next service. But her, 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 I'm going to say the same thing, and I might even embellish it a little bit. Um, but I was talking to a couple, and they're not in this church. I never use examples of people who are in this church if they're negative like this one is. I was talking to a, a couple, I mean a man, only older than me, and been married for, you know, I don't know, over 30 years. He was talking about his marriage, and, and after all these decades of marriage, he said, yeah, and it was all gushy and emotional and beautiful. It's always beautiful. Nothing's ever wrong. He's, we just stare at one another with love all the time. And, and I'm thinking, I didn't say it, but I tell you what I wanted to say. I want to say, I think you're a liar. <laughs> I, do, I do not believe that. I don't believe it. And I know that people feel that way when they're dating and when they're engaged and when they first get married. Um, all you want to do is talk on the phone. You talk on the phone for two or three hours at night when you're dating. And if you're apart, if you're overseas or out of town, you just that's all you want to do, talk to each other. Listen, when you've been married two or three years and you come home from a stressful day at work and your spouse is ready to talk, you're going to say, I don't want to hear it. I want to sit in a recliner and watch television, and I don't feel like talking. Because things, counselors say after 18 months, two years, the emotional feelings you had 
they begin to diminish. But you grow in commitment based on God's call to fulfill passages like Ephesians chapter 5. On the screen, you'll see a quote that uh, actually is part of an email sent to me by Joyce White in our church, who is a consultant, counselor. It's an anonymous quote, but I thought it was valuable. It says, learning to accept each other's faults and choosing to celebrate each other's differences is one of the most important keys to creating a healthy, growing, and lasting relationship. Viable thought. Finally, God created marriage for reflecting the relationship of Christ and the church. The words you see on the screen are some of the most important in the Bible on the subject of marriage. They begin with a quote of Genesis 2.24, the most foundational verse, and they read, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul says about that. He's quoted Genesis 2.24. Notice carefully what he says. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Not only is it a mystery, the apostle says, it's a profound mystery. He's not able to really explain it to us, but he's telling us this, that God's ordained marriage is intended to reflect the relationship of Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and the wife see that she respects her husband. So three of the reasons that I think God created marriage, one, partnership in serving God together, two, growth toward Christ-likeness, and three, reflecting the relationship of Christ and the church. Next week, we'll talk more about marriage and some of the practical steps toward building a healthy marriage. And I'll touch on the fact next week, uh, I'll share some reasons why I think it is not a good idea to live together before marriage. But for the moment, I'd like to look back to those questions raised at the first. Those of you here who are married as you're reflecting on your marriage, are we sailing? Things are going really well. If so, keep going. Keep praying together. Um, you're an example to others, and the Lord may use you to encourage others who are struggling because most do at some point in their marriage. Are we sailing? Are we rowing? You know, we're having to, to work a little bit. If you're rowing, make sure you're spending time together, undistracted, where you can talk and where you can communicate. And be certain that you pray together, not just at meals or putting kids to bed, but the two of you pray together. Are we drifting? That's the time to reach out for help. Don't wait till you're sinking. 
counselors know that many couples, perhaps most come, when they're beyond the point of really getting the needed help because they've waited too long. Seek counseling now and do pray together in sinking. If you say we're sinking, there's no hope. Let me just say there's always hope in Jesus Christ. The Bible says with God, nothing should be impossible. It's going to take a wholehearted devotion individually and as a couple to him. So do not despair. But do seek help right away. We have got a lot of great marriage counselors in our area. SureCord Counseling is here in our offices on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can call and get more info about that. But before we take the Lord's Supper today, I'd like us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And um, this, is, this is a traditional version with these and thou's. I find myself, when praying it, I always gravitate back to thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Although I don't normally use the King James Version for reading. <clears throat> and here's what I'll suggest is if, as we pray this together. If you're here and your spouse is here, I would encourage you to join hands. And let's pray together now the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.